Oh no, they call me the doctor. This is Zoe, Jamie, and I'm the doctor. I'm the doctor. I'm the doctor. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. I'm the doctor. I'm known as the doctor. I'm not the professor. I'm the doctor. I am the doctor. I'm the doctor, and if there's one thing I can do, it's talk. I'm the doctor, by the way. If anyone's interested. Oh, well, I'm the doctor. I work in a shop now, here to help. I'm the doctor, and I will be your victim this evening. Are you my mummy? I'm the doctor. I'm the doctor. And I'm the doctor. And according to the rules, you can't say no. Look, you like my double chin? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm... He's a bulletinian! <sighs> Maybe we should start being friends. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> hey. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Time and Space. A Doctor Who podcast where we review all of Doctor Who from 1963 to present. And uh, yet again, I am joined by Mikey. Hey. How's it going, man? How's it going? You, you good? I'm all right. I'm on antibiotics, so I'm, I'm fine. Antibiotics? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah, my throat's been killing me for the last week. So nothing seems to be working. So I'm on antibiotics as of today, and uh, so is Mel. So I know there's a lot of th- I thought a lot of things going about, mate. But and a lot of people say it's a good thing, but you need to calm down with the oral sex, man. You know, like... <laughs> well, at least I'm having some. Why <laughs> <laughs> would you be jealous now, right? Hey. To be, to be fair, uh, it's not my fault you, you like the sausage, you know, so. As long as it's battered. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have it any other way. Yeah. Safe sex now, safe sex. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you're, looking, you're looking a bit like Tintin today as well. Like, I know, like, it gets in the haywire, but Jesus. I'm getting my hair cut tomorrow, so fuck you, right? <laughs> It took me like two months to actually get booked in, so you can suck it and swim. Yeah. Yeah. Aye. Bloody hell. All right, fair enough. Yeah, we finally got the boy booked in as well for Friday, so he's going to get a massive haircut as well because he's not had his since since November either, so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel sorry for our kids, man, because the, the hairdo like we have is just like everybody keeps it. It's like at one point or another, people have said to me, even my barbers, 
I've said to one point or another, I was like, you're here, man. I'm like, I know. I know. It just, like, I don't know. Have I ever told the story about when I got a free, uh, when I ended up getting a year's worth of free haircuts at college? Have I said this on the, on the podcast, huh? Yeah. Uh, like, just, I'll quickly go into it, but, like, years ago when I was in college, um, there was a, a sign-up saying models wanted for, hair, uh, like, the hairdressers to practice on. So I signed up. And I sat down, the, the lassie that I was supposed to do my hair didn't know where to start. So she got her tutor to come over. And, and so the tutor came over and looked at it. And literally, and I mean, there must have been easily 20 people. Like, there was, like, different models. Obviously, the, the, the student hairdressers and a couple other staff members as well. Uh, I, I think they might have been examiners or something. I don't know. Uh, but I think they were tutors or something. And literally gathered everyone around to cut my hair, just to show show how to cut my hair as well. <laughs> and as a reward as well, she said, I would like to show students like in future as well. So she said to me, you can have uh, free haircuts whenever you want, as long as I can show my students and that. So, so I've got a, a, a year's worth of free haircuts for that. I was like, that's genius. Thanks for that. <laughs> so obviously as a student, you can get, um, discounts um, for all sorts these days, but I got free haircuts for a year, so I was happy with that. Saved a bundle. Yeah, uh-huh. the rate our hair grows, then yeah, it's a lifesaver, man. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. How did you get on with the job then? What the job interview? Yeah. Uh, I think I done pretty well. Uh, I'm still waiting to hear back from them on that, so fingers crossed. So they did, they did, because well, it was only on Friday anyway, and they said, like, if we don't hear from us today, that'll probably be some point next week. So they must still be interviewing as well, maybe, or just deliberating. But I'm assuming it's a good news that I haven't heard from them yet, maybe. I don't know. Um, the only thing is, there's like, the, some of the people, like, there's two people that I was uh, interviewing for. Uh, interviewing with and I think they were also um, what uh, they said that they they have been they work there as well so I'm guessing it's some sort of promotion from or I don't know maybe a next step up or whatever mm-hmm. so just time will tell me so well, yeah. right so shall we crack on then yeah. Let's do what? Do it now. Would the owner of the blue box in private gallery 15 please report to the steward's office immediately? Let's crack over the news. As of today, we just received the news that Doctor Who actor Michael Jaston has uh, just passed away today. Passed away today at the age of 88 after a short illness. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that, mate, yeah. I would say I was shocked, but obviously I'm not entirely shocked because of his age and things like that, you know what I mean? So, uh, But he, he looked at a good, good age. And that, that the... What was it The Trial of the Time Lord? That was the episode he was in, wasn't it? The Trial of the Time Lord? Yeah, it's like the... Yeah. It's like a full story series arc um, for season 23. With uh, Colin Baker as the Doctor. Yeah. 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 
Um, I haven't seen him in anything else, I don't think. Um, but obviously, he, did, he had a he was a he had a pretty good performance in that in that episode, from what I remember. It was years ago when I watched it, but you know, um, I do remember it being a pretty good episode. Yeah, you'd be surprised to know that he was in Only Fools and Horses as well. Was he? What he episode? played Raquel's dad. Played oh. Raquel's dad and um, oh, yeah. time on our it, hands. I think it was. That was a Christmas special, wasn't it? That was the ninety no ninety three no ninety ninety six. Yeah, because they did like uh, they did like three episodes over Christmas ninety six. Yeah, yeah. Because um, that first one was like the the Batman Robin, where they just was Batman Robin one. It's uh, still my favorite episode, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think Time on the Hands was the last one where um, Delanat meets uh, Raquel's parents and he plays Raquel's dad. Yeah. He's an antique no, dealer. I, did, I didn't put two and two together, to be fair. I've seen that, that episode easily a dozen times and I have never made that connection until you just said it now. So I'll yeah. do that now. <laughs> Well, I didn't know either. Like, I didn't recognize him either until I, I read it just today. Like, when I was looking up, um, it was quite surprising. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, rest in peace, mate. Yeah, we'll get around to that story at some point. But I probably in like about fucking twenty years time. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> A lot yeah. of us right now. Oh fucking hell! Yeah. So yeah, our thoughts go out to his friends and his family this time um, and I rest in peace obviously in the Doctor Who magazine uh, number 600 Susie Davis was uh, saying give us an update on the progress of the next two seasons of the show um, and he was obviously saying that they were hoping to get the new series 14 out just after the Christmas special in January like yeah. roughly about it should be out by now Uh but obviously he was putting it down to special effects. Um and they were kinda where's the quote? Uh, we juggled schedules and budgets and capacity, but no. We had ended up we had ended up spending money on the rush rather than on the program itself. It's the special effects really, you know. And that's what he's putting it down to. That that's why it's not happening right now. Hmm. Um, basically, series fourteen's basically all been filmed. They're just finishing up the special effects and the music and all that sort of stuff, and like the kind of the final edit. Yeah, uh, Christmas special for this year has all been filmed. They're just. Um, sort of editing it, doing like special effects and all that sort of stuff. Uh, for series fifteen for next year, he says episode one ninety nine percent shot. Uh, episode two is in draft four, which I think they're filming at the minute. I think. I'm guess I'm guessing that other one percent is like. Like maybe some close ups and things like that, and just like odd bits and ends that needed tightening up a bit, probably. I'm assuming, yeah, maybe. Uh, or maybe some reshoots, and you know, you never know. The worst yeah. of 
space for that one. Uh, episode three is only camera tests exist, so that they kind of like draft for them. So four is all shot. Uh, I think episode one and four were obviously in the same uh, production blocks. I think they were all filmed at the same time. Uh, episode five is in a draft form, script form. Episode six is a draft script. Uh, episode seven and eight, well, still waiting. I think episode eight still has to be written. So, right. Yeah, that's basically it. Hmm. Your thoughts? Uh, like as as, well, as I said, uh, like I said before, like that all of one percent must have been for um uh, just maybe close ups, maybe some reshoots or whatever. Um, I've said time and time again, like I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it, and obviously the question questionable um decisions that have been made uh recently and the specials and things like that I'm hoping it's going to maybe generate at some point maybe it might not come of nothing or it might come of something by the end of Russell T Davis's reign of terror and <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> but um, no I think I'm hoping he is to be fair, he has a, a reputation of rounding things up and like eventually making things like everything make sense, essentially. You know what I mean? So um I just have to keep the faith that he will do that uh as well. And you know, uh, the decisions that he makes will amount to something and will make sense essentially, because right now I'm struggling. Yeah, it's kind of we're just kind of waiting to see. Um, the trailer doesn't have anything really. There was quite a lot of sh- quick shots, but there wasn't a lot to kind of like story wise to kind of hold on to. Um, we're just kind of waiting really till May. Yeah, Ho- we might get another trailer. Hopefully, like hopefully we get like a, a bigger, <laughs> better trailer. I yeah, think. Was it yourself that said there was something to do, like there was a trailer that came out in some point around Easter, or just before Easter or something, before they released each season as well? Like when Russell T. Davis, like first tenure as a showrunner? Um, I'm sure it was you yourself know, said that. Yeah, I, think was, I think I was talking about the fact that they usually release. His seasons were usually around about Easter, so usually about March, April time. But he's pushed it further back till May. Um, which is, like I said before, I don't know how that's going to work with the weather and stuff, because usually people go out during the good weather and stuff. Um, well, trailers, yeah. Sometimes they would do like a Christmas sort of... At the end of the Christmas special, they would do like a trailer for the new season. Mm. Uh, and then they would do more trailers towards the coming up of the the episodes, like yeah. when the new season was about to air. Um, I would imagine that's what they're going to do. So obviously, uh, Disney Plus is going to be doing like a big more um, push for this one for shoot its first season, mm. um, and that'd be going more worldwide. I'd imagine. Yeah. So I'd imagine there'll be there'll be more trailers and stuff about the you know, marketing. I think um, as well, what's what's going to be quite interesting, and 
like, I don't know. I, I, I think that what's called for the specials and the Christmas special, especially, I, I'd love to see the, the viewing figures for that in America. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, are they ever going to get released? Have they been released? I don't know. It's just, I, I'd love to see because. You know, at this point, America's probably going to be a saving grace at this at this point of trying to save the show. But it depends on what the figures are there. You know what I mean? So, um, because, like, as far as I'm aware of, I'm pretty sure that it's quite big in, in America um, as well. But it might, it might not be as big over there as it is over here. I don't know. Um, but I would love to find out. In the Doctor Who magazine number six hundred, which was just released last week, yeah. Um, in the section which I'm about to just go on to now, uh, where they say TV specials are rating smash, where they talk about the 60th anniversary specials, and they're they talk about the monthly ratings, so like the 28 days, uh, consolidated. Yeah. Um, which I usually don't give a shit about, because that's just stupid. But they're trying to make it out that it's a success. Um, okay. So they say that the three anniversary specials have risen to, so the Star Beast has risen to 8.36 million. Okay. After 28 days. Right. Okay. Okay. Um. Well Below Yonder is now t- is up to 8.30 million and the giggles up to 7.91 million after 28 days. So the viewing figures have went down then? No, they the went top. up um, from their seven plus, the seven days. Right. But I don't really care about the 28 days to be honest because Okay. But in that section, they also talk about the fact that, sadly, we're currently unable to bring you any international numbers for Doctor Who on Disney+. Most streaming services are very secretive about precise data for their shows, so we can only wonder, however, purely on the basis of Doctor Who's continued success on the BBC, there's clearly a bright future ahead. Uh, so I'll never find out. Not... Not but I'm just gonna say that, like, so I'll probably never find out what that actual figure is gonna be like. No, that's what over there. The, there is an American streaming uh, top ten. Yes. To be fair, we can figure it out for maybe next the next. Uh, podcast, like, like yeah, because if I look at the Nielsen streaming stuff, mm-hmm. that will tell me, because that goes through all the streaming stuff. Yeah, it's like a. I'll double check that and we'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah. but I don't think it. I I think I'm pretty sure I don't think it's on any of the top tens mm. for each of the weeks that any of the episodes were released. Right, which might tell you the fact that they're not that great. Yeah. 
But uh, what do you think about the 28 days consolidated? Well, initially, when you, when you, were, when you were just saying the figures there, it sounded like they, were, they, they weren't... Like you said, they're going up, but it sounded like it, to me that it was going down. So, like, the first first figures were what? 8.63 million. Is that right? Let me just compare. Contrast. Right. Let's break us down. Okay. So consolidated for special one star beast for seven days plus the four screen is seven point six one. Right. Seven point six one, right. Seven point six one. Right. And they're saying for twenty eight days. It was seven point six one for seven days, so now it's eight point three six for twenty eight days. Oh, okay. So it's like a next to seventy five thousand. Oh, right, okay. But then I don't know if that's people uh, rewatching the episode. Maybe. Does does that not count as a you know if you rewatch the episode on the platform? Yeah, I suppose. To be fair, I I, I rewatched. Uh, the episodes maybe two or three times myself, obviously in preparation for this podcast. So, um, yeah, but I mean, since then, like since Christmas, like have you watched any of the episodes since then? No, well, that's, <laughs> that's pretty telling then, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I think well, some people will be though. That's no, it's just interesting as well, like because like I think at this point we're in the exact same position we were. In the nineteen eighties, I think it's slowly starting to die out, which is a shame because there's so much potential for 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 this entire show. And it's sixty years. We'll just celebrate the sixty year anniversary, and all I've heard like there has been people talking positively about it. It's not all negative, and there's positive aspects of it which we've pointed out when we've reviewed the episodes. But then it's questionable. Um, decision making and things like that that's kind of thing a bit uh, that's kind of just thrown people and obviously with the diehard fans you, don't, you never want to piss off the diehard fans because it's like you know they'll just go uh, sort of thing but like to me like it's just a crying shame because if it goes if it gets to the point where it's just going to you know get cancelled again then you know, it might never ever come back again because they've already done it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, by uh, if they do do a, a renewal, me and you might be long gone by that point. You know what I mean? I don't, you know, it's I don't. Yeah, but like, you never know what's going to happen in the next thirty years. It's taken what twenty five years for it to get re uh, rethink a bit. No, it cancelled in eighty nine. So it took them 16 years for it to come back in 2005. All right, okay, 16, right, 16 years then, fine. But, yeah. uh, you know, but as I pointed out, it might never get, get renewed again. You know what I mean? They, they might go, well, there's no point because, like, it might... Oh, well, it'll be back. It might, but it might not. Uh, you never know. Like, you know what I mean? So the world might have moved on by then, or you might get a diehard fan going, oh, I've got plenty of ideas, man. But then, you know, like... For a 60-year show, uh, it's done pretty well, and it's 
for the most part, it's influenced probably other shows around the world as well. You know, if you yeah. think about it, it's like Star Trek. That's influenced many different aspects of sci-fi, and Doctor Who's in the same sort of boat. Like it's influenced a lot of like sci-fi shows and films. You know what I mean? So it's just a shame that if it does get to that point, it'll just be a crying shame as all. Well. You know what I mean? So yeah, but you know. It might have had. Hmm? I'm just going to say it might have had its day by now and might have to get renewed in future. I don't know. But only time will tell. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see because there's two seasons uh, Mm. basically coming anyway. Um, I think Russell's planning to do four, I think. Right. Um, Well, should you be doing the, the full four, though? Don't know. I hope so. <laughs> As I said, we've seen limited, limited, we've seen them limitedly, but from what I've seen, especially from the Christmas special, I've actually enjoyed his performance and everything else. So I think I am looking forward to seeing how he progresses in this upcoming season. So um, I have a lot of faith in the boy, uh, well, in the man, should I say. Um, I think he. Like in my personal opinion, I think he's going to do a great job, no matter what material he gets. So, yeah, yeah. we just need to see if the the ratings up to scratch and it saves them. Um, but we'll just we'll see the ratings and see what happens. But then people will praise it no matter what, you know. Yeah. Um, people will say that that's still a success. Um, as like you said, it's better than Jodie Whittaker. I'll give yeah. it that. Um and you know the viewing figures are kind of like that. It depends. We'll see in this new season mm. whether because well, it might it might get a bump at the beginning because they always do, don't they? Yeah. When things come back. Uh, we'll see if people teeter off though towards the end, and then it'll be more telling towards when you get to the second season. How many people come back, and if it continues to go down like it did with Jodie? Yeah. Um. That's always a telling thing. Or if it goes up, we don't know. We just need to wait and see, really, don't we? So, fingers crossed. Like we want it to be good. Like we're not two fans. Like we're not just hating on this just cause. Like we, you know, we do want it to be good. Um. The thing, thing is, the people, <clears throat> the people that are the the most. Uh, loyal to the show or like the biggest fans of the show are probably the biggest critics you know what I mean like and that's what all we're essentially doing is we're drawing conclusions or making our own sort of opinions and things like that. and that's the whole fun of this podcast is just the fact that we can make those opinions and if people listen to them and like them or love them uh, love them or hate them like it's Everybody's entitled to opinions. Everybody's uh, like, you know, people will disagree with us, no doubt. But um, as you pointed out, we love, we do love the show. Uh, we want it to keep going. We want it to get better and better. Uh, but as I said, the biggest fans will probably be the worst critics. <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah, it's because we care. Yeah, it's because we really do care about it. Um, we don't want just any old fanny coming in and just saying they're a fan and then, you know, shitting all over it, you know? Yeah, yeah. We want it to be good, so. 
Christian Jimbo. Sorry. Did you see the news about that uh, BBC employee who called uh, Jewish people Nazis? <laughs> I had a brief glance at it. I didn't finish reading it, but um, it kind of I can't even describe it. I was just like, what the hell? Like, it was very weird, like, when I was reading it. Like, I was just, yeah. I've, yeah. You can see, like, well, obviously people that are listening can't see my reaction. I'm just like, I'm struggling to find the words to actually say what I'm thinking right now. And just, like, basically, this will sum it up. What the actual F? Yeah, because she's a she's a black woman, mm. um, and obviously on Facebook, uh, she's posted all things say describing white people as a virus and a mutant invader species. Great, <laughs> basically. Uh, she so she's a BBC scheduler. Uh, she referred to Jews as Nazis and white people as parasites. No longer works at the corporation, the Telegraph can reveal. Oh. Yeah. Parasites. Nice one. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. Jesus. So whose who's blood, livelihood, or other like other things are we supposed to be sucking off? That did not sound right. I know that. Move on. But still. <laughs> but the thing, like, if we're, like, you know, we're not, yeah, it's just, it's hard to get, in, like, my head is going, like, what the F? That's all I'm summing up. It's just, like, it's just a very weird, like, the only thing I can think of is if a white person was seeing these things about, like, you know, like, black people and everything else, it'd be outrageous. You know what I mean? There'll be like pitch uh, pitchforks and torch torches and that on the go sort of thing and whatnot. But it's just I don't think it's fair, and I just think like why why would you do it? Like why would you? It's, it's social suicide. You know what I mean? Like it's just. Why would you alienate people like that as well? But just by saying horrific things like that, it's just there's just no need for it. And all honestly, you know, bang out order. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Basically, it's just like, but what made her come up with these things? Though? So she obviously believes them, um, which is a sad thing. Mm. I mean, just. She said, calling Jewish people Nazi apartheid parasites who funded a hollow hoax. A hollow hoax, sorry. A hollow hoax. So she's but, saying that the, the Holocaust didn't actually happen and they faked it. Oh my days. Yeah. So she's she's not very clever. Um so she's one of these Conspiracy theorists. Am I? Am I pretty much on the bottom here? Yeah, but like, six million know. six million Jews were like murdered. Mm. You know how can you fake that? 
That's a genocide, mate. That's like a full-on genocide. You know what I mean? It's just, oh my dear, like, it's just beyond me, like, how, I don't know, because I, I feel sorry for the people, like, because obviously uh, there's a lot of, during World War II, there was a lot of people that emigrated to America, to Britain, and everything else because of the uh, the Holocaust, trying to escape, like, the horrific, like, the horrific ordeals that were going through at the time as well. And it's just, it's beyond me why somebody would come up with things like this and just, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just no need for it. Absolutely no need. And, like, she either needs help or she needs to be re-educated and actually be told facts and things like that. I was just thinking when you said be educated, she needs to go into one of these, you know, Orwellian um, places, and uh, you need to be very re-educated now, right? Do as we tell you to do, right? It reminds <laughs> me of that Lost, that when you know you've seen Lost, you know, when that that guy's stuck in front of that massive screen, and it's obviously yeah. going all mental and stuff, and he's tied up. And that's quite funny. That's what that's what flicked through my mind right there. That was quite funny. <laughs> used to be educated, but you know, I, I don't, I don't. Uh, yeah, it's just beyond me. Why? What why... is going on with the bloody BBC and all these people here? Like it's like fuck me. Ah, uh, they were saying fucking Jeremy Corbyn was anti-Semitic, but bloody hell, you didn't go on bloody. You know, Facebook and say, "Oh, that's crap." Jesus Christ! I'm not, I'm not being funny or nothing, but I, I don't trust the politicians as far, far as I can throw them. But there are at least maybe there won't be a lot of them, but there's maybe a, a few that have good intentions and things like that. You know what I mean? Um, but it's just. It's just a, I don't know, it's just a game, isn't it? Like the politicians play just to get one up in each other so they can get the votes and that. You know what I mean? It's just no need. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. Like that, that lassie just needs some some help or, you know, being told solid facts. I, I don't know. It's just horrific that. Um, yeah, it's like it's, all, it's that stuff happened, all that stuff happened like in World War Two. And instead of like taking note of it and like saying, "All right, that, that's not that, that happen again," it's people like all these years later. Most people don't even know what you're on about when you say the Holocaust. You've not seen those videos where there's people that don't even know what you're talking about when you if you ask I, them. Yeah, I've I've ha I have seen like a compilation video of like these guys going on the streets and asking like different people these questions and that, and the blank expression. I was like, "Are you seriously?" Like when we were in school, they were all over this this shit. Like seriously, they were like drilling it into us about like World War, uh, World War One, World War Two, all the all all, the, all those sort of things. You know what I mean? Uh, and they were just drilled it into you, and they were just like, "This has happened, blah blah blah." Here's the facts, sort of thing. And then what are they teach them in schools these days? Then if this is not what, if it, no one's heard. Like the new, this new generation never heard of the Holocaust. I'm like, get out of my face. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's like everyone's heard of the slave trade. You know, we learned that at school. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's bad. Okay, fair enough. But then basic stuff like actual things that happened like World War One, World War Two. Yeah. People were like, nah, don't know. I'm just I'm just baffled by like because that's just why things can happen again. It's because you just forget about it and say, oh no, that never happened. That was a hoax. I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Anyway, we're all doomed. Yeah. Anyway. To be fair, but to be fair, history looks like it's repeating itself. But it, it is, to be honest. Uh, so basically, she's been fired from the BBC once the BBC were made aware of these posts uh, yeah. on Sunday. Uh, the corporation does not tolerate anti-Semitism. Oh, sorry, anti-Semitism, uh, Islamophobia, or in any form of abuse. We take any such allegations seriously. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, so, um, Miss Kiva's posts on Facebook have since been deleted. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Aye. Is her... Um, um... Her employability is going to be called into question as well because she's going to need a reference. And when they phone her up, they'll be like, No, you're all right. <laughs> or no, that. Everyone knows her name now. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows her name. And it's like, How stupid can you be that like you're working for the BBC and you're posting stuff like that with your actual name on it? <laughs> and like, everyone knows your name now. It's yeah. all over the internet. All you have to do is to Google it, and you know, no one's gonna hire this woman ever. Like, uh, her life is ruined, yeah. Well, for the foreseeable until you know the Nazis take over and she's part of it. Or either that, she's I don't know, maybe thinking like because, like, oh, there's a lot of successful people that say controversial things, and maybe she's thinking if she gets enough followers and things like that, she'll get sponsorships. And there's a lot of controversial people out there that post controversial things that are successful and everything else and get paid plenty of money to do these things. But I think she took it a step too far and now she's going to pay the price for it, essentially. Uh, you know, well, it's, it's a fine line. It's, it's a very fine line of saying certain stuff. Hmm. But then that's way out there. Like, that's, like, a complete low blow for all the mm. Jewish people, you know. Like, if we <laughs> said that about black people, they're all parasites and stuff like that, we'd mm. be, like, fucking arrested and, you know, deplatformed and... Oh, yeah. yeah. All that sort of stuff. We would lose our jobs. Like, everyone would lose their jobs if people said that. Yeah. But, you know, it was like that thing, you know, like, the, the coronation of King Charles... Yeah. And they came out onto the balcony of the family. Did you see that um black actress who played um Martha's mum in Doctor Who? She was yeah. sitting yeah. in the studio and she said, Oh, it's a very white balcony. Alright. Implying that everyone was white. And I was like, Well, that's the family. Would you would you want to stick some random black person in there for diversity? I mean, if it was the other way around, and there was a white person in a black country saying, "Oh, it's a very, it's a very black uh, balcony. There's not many white people there." That'd be seen mm. as racist. And yeah. I'm just like, how is it all right to do it the other way around? 
It's like, why did you say that? Yeah, I do see what you're saying, mate. I do see what you're saying. So it's... it's just like sometimes you just need to think, what the fuck are you saying? Right? If you think stuff like that, then maybe you need to kind of uh, speak to someone and see if that's an actual, you know, legitimate response yeah. to some things. And, um, see, I, see, I know of people who are afraid to talk, uh, speak their mind and about else, um, because they think they're going to get think like think a bit like going to get torn apart for it. You know what I mean? But like I have like. Let live, let live, sort of thing. Um, I go off the philosophy: you're all right with me, I'm all right with you, no matter who you are. You know what I mean? Uh, piss me off, you'll know about it. You know what I mean? I can have a laugh with you. Um, I love talking to people, and actually, like for someone like someone that can be antisocial, I'm actually quite social as well. At the same time, you know, you get you get my <laughs> There's a certain that for me, like. I'll get to a certain point of being social and then I'm like, you know what? I can't be asked being social anymore. And then I just need that time to myself sort of thing. You know what I mean? But when I do talk to people, I like to listen to them and listen to like their stories and things like that. Because at the end of the day, everybody's got their own stories. Everybody's got their own shit going on. You know what I mean? Like no matter who you are, where you are, like, you know what I mean? We're all, we're all bloody um, human beings at the end of the day. Like, regardless of skin colour or, you know, sexual orientation or whatever, we're all just the same. You know what I mean? And then when people are saying, like, like yeah, they are, like, about an all-white balcony or whatever, you know what I mean? I'm just like, well, why did that need even need to be said? You know what I mean? So, um, and, yeah, I, like, I do get your point. It would be, like, if a white person said that about in a black country, then, yeah, it would be seen as um, racist. But I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, I, some people just need to shut up and, you know, some people need to, like, speak up. Yeah. But some people need to think. Some people just don't have the sort of self-editing button in their head. You say, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say that sort of shit. I've, um, I've met quite a few people like that where they've, like, just said, said on their mind and I'm like, dude, you can't, you can't say that. And they're, they're like, <laughs> Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Dude, seriously, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to be seen with you, but you know, fuck off, Jesus. You know, it's not. To be fair, he doesn't exactly say like con- like really controversial things. It's just like stupid things. You know what I mean? He just comes out with. So it's not like really like that controversial. It's just like embarrassing mostly. You know what I mean? I'm just like. All right, <laughs> you know, you'd be in public and everything else. Yeah. You'll just make a, a general observation, like, um, you know, um, yeah, like, you'll make a general observation, or you'll just say, like, I remember uh, I was drinking drinking one night with him, and uh, what's called, he just turned and said to me, and says, Oh, I tell you, tell you what I'd love to do to her, sort of thing. and but he said it quite loud. I was like, dude, sh- shut up. And she was walking. <laughs> and she looked at me. And she looked at me. I was like, oh, my days. What are you doing? <laughs> and like, like, I was, what, maybe 18, 19 at the time. I was like, oh, my days. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I just chalked it up to him just being, and uh, just 
being intoxicated, uh, having too much to drink, but it's just funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I suppose it comes down to, you know, freedom of speech, you know, and um, if people want yeah. to say that sort of stuff, they should be allowed to say that stuff and you should be allowed to say that's stupid. Mm. You know, you can't yeah. say stuff like that. That's just racist. Yeah. And you should be able to, you know, say, no, don't say that sort of stuff. That's wrong. Yeah. And here's the facts. Yeah. Um, and move on. Uh, and hopefully this this woman um, thinks about what she said and kind of reevaluates her life um, and uh, go home with rethink your life. I'm going to go home and rethink my life. <laughs> Tell me death You don't want to tell me death sticks. Better <laughs> <laughs> go home when you think you're alive. <laughs> you don't want to see racist, racist stuff. You want to go home when you think you're alive. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to add before we move on? No. no, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Right. Let's get into the trivia. Dun, dun, dun. So this is Marco Polo, our first missing uh, story from Classic Q. And it aired from the 22nd of February to the 14th of April, 1964. Uh, written by John Lucarotti and directed by Wars Hussein and John Crockett. Jesus, I'm dying. <laughs> Don't die. Don't die. Uh, so was Hussein directed episodes one to three and five to seven, and Johnny Crockett uh, directed episode four. So, uh, some of the events around the time of these episodes was on the twenty fifth of February, Cassius Clay beats Sonny Liston in Miami Beach, Florida, and is crowned the heavyweight champion of the world. Yo, Adrian, I did it! <laughs> right. Uh, uh, walk like a butterfly, fly like a flea. I hit you in the chin and you're down for three. It's not the actual thing that he says, but you know, I just found it funny. <laughs> anyway, right on the sixth of March, Cassius Clay changes his name. Uh, do you know what he chooses his name to, Mike? Uh, Muhammad Ali. Correctamundo. On the 10th of March, uh, the late Queen Elizabeth II gives birth to her, is it her fourth child, Prince Edward, who later oh. becomes Duke of Edinburgh. Uh, on the 12th of March, Caroline Ford is featured in a profile piece um, in the stage and television Today magazine. And it's quite revealed that she will leave the show when her contract expires in October later that year, in October 64. On the 14th of March, uh, a Dallas, uh, Texas jury finds Jack Ruby guilty of killing the uh, 
Lee Harvey Oswald, the assassin of John F. Kennedy. Oh. On the 16th of March, uh, Gore Vavinsky is born, who's an American film director. Do you know oh. what sort of films he, he's made? Uh, I can't think off the top of my head, but I'm sure I'll probably have heard of them once you start filing them out. The, the first three Pirates of the Caribbean films. Oh, oh yeah. I like those. Yeah. And he directed The Ring. In 2002. Not that ring. <laughs> um. <laughs> My monkey ring. To be fair, I did enjoy the ring. It terrified the hell out of me when I first watched it. Bear in mind, I was, oh, I can't remember how old I was. Um, um. In my early teens, maybe. Yeah. I think I was a teenager. But yeah. 13, 14 or something? Something like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I did enjoy those films. Yeah. Captain um, Jack Barrow. Right. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is sniff <laughs> my monkey ring. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the name's from... bastard. Alky bastard. <laughs> oh, you get those references, you're a class legend. Yeah, man. <laughs> For listeners out there that don't know the references, it's um, it's from a show that's quite popular in Scotland called Still Game. It's a comedy about these two youngish guys who play pensioners basically and they, they get up to all sorts uh, and that of uh, it's absolutely hilarious it's like Scottish humour down to a T um, I've actually got a fair few people down, down in England to actually watch it as well so um, but you know everybody has, has watched it I, I don't know if they're just being nice or not or what but they've all said they enjoy it so and found it funny so a bit of thing for all you listeners. Mm. On the 19th of March, uh, American uh, Jenny Mock sets out to become the first woman to fly solo around the world. Mm-hmm. And we'll find out um, when we review the keys of Marianas if she succeeds or not. <laughs> <laughs> if she doesn't hit the water. And just Keeping me in the edge of my seat. Oh, do you see me now? (laughs) 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 I'm a bogus gas man. I come to ransack Jones. Well, Jesus, it's just going to be endless riffs (laughs) off the still game there, isn't it? Right, anyway. Uh, On the 27th of March, the Great Alaskan Earthquake um, occurs. It's the second most powerful known. Um and the most powerful earthquake recorded in North American history wow. at a magnitude of nine point two, and it kills one hundred and twenty five people. Was it? Wow. Yeah. So some of the hits at the time before you were even born. On twenty second of February, it was Diane by the Bachelors. 
29th of February, Anyone Who Had a Heart by Scylla Black. That was number one for three weeks. 21st of March, Little Children by Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas. Never heard of it. And the 4th of April, Can't Buy Me Love by The Beatles. To be fair, I quite like that song, actually. So, some of the movies at the time. Wait. Uh, Dead Ringer, which was an American horror film. Never seen it. Uh, Kissing Cousins, which was a musical comedy with Elvis Presley. Oh, right. Yeah. Whoever floats your boat, babe. Yeah, whoever floats it or sinks it. On 11th of March, uh, the movie Beckett was out, which was a historical, which had Richard Burton and Peter O'Toole. All right, okay. And Peter O'Toole played Henry II of England. And if you know anything about history, Twenty uh, first of March was the Pink Panther. The first Pink Panther film. With Peter Sellers and Robert Wagner. Robert Wagner. Anyway, twenty fourth of March, the fall of the Roman Empire with Alec Guinness. Ooh. was released. The legend himself. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay, do you want to guess the viewing figures? Well, like an average? Because there's seven episodes, so I think the average was... <sighs> um, the highest. Right. What, what what was it for, for, the, uh, for the last classic one, which was... Um... You haven't yeah, got it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I'll just make a guess. If you don't have it, it doesn't matter. I'll just make a guess. I'm guessing it was like about 9 million or something. I can't remember the top of my head, man. Okay. You're taking the best, you? <laughs> oh, no. But it's just so I can... Right. Right. Give me a minute. Two seconds. Literally two seconds. Uh, One, two. The Age of, the age of Destruction, 10.4... The Brink of Disaster, 9.9 million. Right. That was a two-parter. I'll go for 10.1 million. Ooh. Okay, so we start off with episode one, Mm 9.4. And that's steady over the first three episodes. It climbs to 9.9 for episode four, The Wall of Lies. Episode five, The Rider from Shang-2. Uh, it's 9.4 again. Drops to 8.4 with episode 6. And then episode 7, Assassin at Peking, is, uh, ends with a 10.4 million. Oh, cool. Not too shabby at all. Not too shabby. Mm. And the Doctor Who poll. What do you think this ranks amongst the 29 first Doctor stories? Right. Uh, by Doctor Who fans. Out of 10. No, 29, sorry. Out of 29? Yeah. Um, well, 29 being the shittest one that they've voted right at the bottom. And number one being the highest. 
the the best one ever. So, right, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll say. I'll be number 13. 13. Okay. Luckily enough, it's the same number for all four polls. From 1998, 2009, 2014, and just last year, 2023. And it was rated number seven. Oh, right. So even for a missing story, it's still really well highly regarded. To be fair, I, I, well, I shall wait until we get into that. <laughs> Not much longer. Not much longer. Right, into the production. John Lucarotti was an Englishman who moved to live in Canada in the 1950s and worked as a script writer for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation for CBC Radio and Television. He had written an 18-part serial about Marco Polo, which was broadcast from October 1955 to January 1956. Whilst at the CBC, he met Sidney Newman, who would later become one of the creators of Doctor Who. In 1963, whilst considering writers for Doctor Who, Newman suggested John Lucarotti. In July 1963, Lucarotti was commissioned to write a seven-part story titled Journey to Café, which was based on his extensive research on Marco Polo. Director Walsh Hussein, who had directed An Unearthly Child, was attached to direct this story. Stories at this time were usually shot live, but some of the shots needed to be shot ahead of schedule. On Monday the 13th of January, on stage B of Ealing Studios, they shot the desert panoramas, a sandstorm and exploding bamboo sticks for episode 5. On Tuesday the 14th, it was a day dedicated to solely capturing the animated map sequences and the map was used to show the journey across cafe and superimposed over footage of wagons moving through a desert landscape. Wednesday consisted of filming with actors Mark Eden and Dan Nesbitt who played Marco Polo and the warlord Tagana. They shot the establishing shots of the desert and the sword fight scene for the final episode. Also, they shot a high-angle shot of the TARDIS dematerialising, which was taken that day also, which still survives as a telesnap. During this week, Marco Polo's narration was recorded, which acted as a framing device to the story to educate the viewers of the journey and passage through time throughout the story. Originally, the narrator would change from Marco Polo to the Doctor, to Barbara and to Ian, but due to the actor's availability, they thought it would be better just having one narrator, and Marco Polo was chosen, and they were framed as diary entries, which made it more personal to Polo. The first episode, The Roof of the World, was recorded on Friday the 31st of January 1964, in Live Grove Studio D. The small studio made it difficult to have all of the set in place. This was the first time that they used a photo cutout of the TARDIS instead of moving the heavy prop from set to set during recording. Ian was supposed to introduce the travellers to Marco Polo, but this was changed so that the Doctor had this instead. 
Also, there was the continuing gag of the Doctor misremembering Ian Chesterton's last name. Episode 2 of The Singing Sands. Episode 2 of The Singing Sands was recorded on Friday the 7th of February 1964 at Lime Grove Studios. William Hartnell was ill this week and wasn't involved in the rehearsals. Because of this illness, many of the scenes were changed and originally the Doctor had a lot more to do. Lines were given to the other actors. The Doctor sleeps through the sandstorm instead. A scene between Barbara and Susan was originally meant to be between the Doctor and Susan, which David Whittaker, the script editor, had to rewrite. In episode 3, 500 Eyes, on the, was recorded on the 14th of February 1964 at Lime Grove Studio, and a small scene in the TARDIS was used for just one room, of the TARDIS set with one wall, which had to and a couch which had to be moved, so they could get the camera in to record the rest of the episode after that scene was filmed. Episode four was recorded on Friday, twenty first of February, nineteen sixty four. It was directed by John Crockett, and there's no telestaps for this episode. Well, after this episode, William Russell spoke to his agent to complain about his role in the series. He spoke about how two guest stars got to be on the Radio Times cover with William Hartnell rather than the main cast. He complained about hastily rewritten scenes in the scripts. For example, he used a six-page scene in episode four, The Wall of Lies, as an example, which was only given to him the day before recording. Head of Serials Donald Wilson at the time replied to these complaints on the 28th of February, and apologise and explain that the Radio Times gets to choose what photo they use on their cover. And also apologise for the changes in the scripts that this and said that this would not happen in the future. Episode 5 was recorded on the 28th of February 1964. And the scenes in the TARDIS was recorded first, which is unusual as it was usually shot in chronological order. The shoot this day was complicated by a spider monkey which belonged to the thief Kaju, not a trained performer, so it became terrified by the experience. It spent much of the day pissing and shitting around the studio, and shit was delayed when it escaped into the rafters of the studio. Episode 6 was recorded on Friday the 6th of March 1964, and the lines of Ian Telemarco Polo, he is from the future, were originally crossed out, on shooting script, but they are in the episode. Not sure if they were re-added due to the episode on the running or a protest from William Russell and Mark Eden. The final episode, episode 7, Assassinate Peking, was recorded on Friday the 13th of March 1964, and there were delays trying to shoot this episode. Whilst trying to move a camera dolly, the elevator broke down, once this was repaired, a studio fireman raised concerns about equipment in a fire exit, so no filming was done until this was fixed. Lucky enough, we've still got the recordings for these episodes, basically because two fans back in the 60s recorded it in front of the, the telly. Um, and unfortunately, all the surviving uh, recordings of this episode have been binned, basically, um, thanks to the BBC. So, 
Snaps. So all we really have to watch this episode is um, Telly Snaps, uh, which will kind of photos taken of the the television screen by yeah. the photographer. Some of the on screen, um, sorry, on set photos that were taken during the filming. There, there were some of them were still about. Uh, and yeah, that's about it. You can listen to it, but you can't see it unless you watch an animated. Yeah, you have to, you have to envision it. Yeah. Always the power of the mind. The mind. <laughs> I'm back. Okay. Right. So, your initial thoughts of Marco Polo? It's kind of a strange one. Uh, Yeah. So, I would have loved to have watched this episode because it sounded... Because I I listened to it through Audible. And through watching it on Audible, I had to use my, obviously, imagination as well a fair bit of times um and like the description of it was pretty good um on, on what was going on like the, the the narrator did well to obviously describe what was happening in the scene um and obviously it was like with um the audio like for it just being a recording to someone using a recorder and put it next to telly it it did sound really good, but I think they also probably remastered it, I think, as well, didn't they, for the Audible? So, um, yeah. But it was really good. Uh, I, I liked the story. There's, there's a couple of things that I'm kind of still a bit confused on, which I'll cover once we get to it. But um, I did like the story. It's a lot better than The Edge of Destruction. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot better. Um which obviously that was the previous episode. Uh so the one up this one. So um but yeah, I thought not too bad. Not too bad at all. What about yeah. yourself? Um I obviously bought the Audible stuff <laughs> beginning of last year. Um I've been listening to mostly all the, the missing episodes. Some of them have been animated. Um, this one still hasn't been animated for some weird reason. Um, yeah, I don't mind it. It's a lot better than Age of Destruction. Um, I really wish the fucking Keys of Manonis was fucking lost and this was actually still there. <laughs> to be honest, then we lost the Age of Destruction as well. Um, yeah. We just had this one instead. That would be great, but no, we can't <laughs> have that, unfortunately. Um, yeah. It's a far better story. Yeah. Did you recognise who the narrator was? No, I didn't place the voice like. It's William Russell. Is it? Yeah. Ah. I didn't... I didn't put it together, to be fair. So... Um... Yeah, because obviously some of the actors from the original 
episodes came back and did the, the rating to fill in the gaps and stuff for people. Yeah. Uh, and the audios. So how long ago did he record that then? Late 2000s. Okay. I think it was like yeah. 2008, I think. Right. Maybe 2009. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. Yeah. I should have put two and two together, but there you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What did you think of the... Did you get to see the, the animated um, one? No. Um, uh to be fair, I haven't had a lot of time. It's been chaotic, but but I mean, I've just been able to listen to like the odd, the odd, like the audible version, um, like in my car, going to and from work, and things like that as well, and like any like any spit like when I've been doing like the kitchen or like doing odd jobs and that, I've just like if I get a minute if I'm not with my son and that, I just stick it in and listen to it. So it took me mm. about three days to actually listen to. All seven stories, but I got there eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, um, I might like if I get a, get a chance, I might get a chance some point this week to actually watch it in that. So uh, as well. So, what was your thoughts on the animated one, Mike? Um, yeah, it was all right. Um, it's kind of low budget. Mm. Um, just some YouTuber. Um, at the. MMF MMF 294 YouTube channel and they've got like a full sort of playlist of all the episodes that they've done uh, of the (laughs) animating they're using all the the audio which is quite cool Um, it's not bad for what they've done like I mean you know with no real budget I think they've done really well yeah Um. Listening to the audio is quite weird. Uh, you have to use your own imagination most of the time. But the fucking hell, the screaming is fucking even more still when you're just listening to the audio. Right. Here's the thing. <laughs> Do not listen to these audio books when you're driving, right? Because I was driving <laughs> along and literally all I heard was a piercing scream. And I had it quite loud as well because my, my car is quite loud when you're driving, like, sort of thing. So I tried to back up. Full volume, and all of a sudden, it was a. Like, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, right. So I was just, I wasn't expecting it. It was just full on. Like I was like, put a fucking sock in it off. Um, but uh, I wasn't expecting it. I was just sort of, you know, like, like for ages, I had a bit of ringing in my ears. I was just like, what the hell's that? <laughs> so, what was that? <laughs> there's an echo. <laughs> uh, I thought she was a banshee Jesus uh, uh, but yeah, yeah that scream man honestly. Uh, I think it's quite funny when the TARDIS lands and the, and the Doctor has a massive hissy fit right at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> oh god we're gonna yeah. have water <laughs> uh, but um yeah. Shall we, shall we get into this episode then? Yeah, cool. Cool. I'll I'll go to read this not synopsis. So because I don't I don't know if everybody's probably listened to this audiobook or what or um if you want I can read up the synopsis synopsis. 
Synopsis. That's the one. I can't fucking say it. Uh, so all you lot that are taking a piss out of me right now, two's up. Anyway. Swivel. Uh, here's your chain. Uh, right. So. So not... Uh, yeah. So, about the story. <laughs> Arriving in Central Asia in 1289, the Doctor and his companions join the caravan of the famous Venturian explorer, Marco Polo. I think Polo. it's Venetian. Venetian. Oh, yeah. Sorry. My apologies. Let's start again. Arriving in Central Asia in 1289, the Doctor and his companions join the caravan of the famous Venetian explorer, Marco Polo, as it makes its way from the snowy heights of Pamir Plateau across the treacherous Gobi Desert and through the heart of the Imperial Cathay. Having witnessed many incredible sights and surveyed uh, and survived, should I say, a variety of dangers, they arrive at the mighty Kublai, Kublai, Kublai Khan's summer palace in Shangtu, where the doctor strikes up an extraordinary friendship with a now-aged ruler. They move on at last to the even more so, so, the even more sumptuous uh, some, some uh, sorry. They move on at last to the even more sumptuous imperial palace in Pekin. Pekin, um, where the trap. <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking hell! Yeah, yeah. Peking. Yeah. Uh, at you. Anyway, um, Pekin. Where the travelers saved the the can from an assassination attempt by a Mongol war warlord to Tagana, supposedly on a peace mission before departing once more in the TARDIS. I'm peeking. It's taken a while, but I got there eventually. All right. So apologies to everybody that's listened to that. Um, but we'll get into this episode. <laughs> So, Wee. yeah. So, obviously, Marco Polo takes possession, like, basically, t- pretty much takes possession of the TARDIS, essentially. Um, and that, uh, the Doctor, um, yeah. They, to be fair, Marco Polo kind of kidnaps them, don't he? Like, he says, oh, I'm taking, I'm taking your caravan and I'm going to give it to um, what's called? Like yeah. Um, and the doctor's like, "No, you're not doing that." And uh, Marco Polo's like, "Yes, I am." Get out your sword, you Babylon! Ah. Um, <laughs> yeah, vagabond. Um, but yeah, so like they encounter like during their journeys, essentially they. They encounter many, many um, goings ons, you know. Like one, one, one of the things that's kind of popped up in my head, and I'm probably going to go back and forth with this anyway. But 
during the sand, there's a, like there's a scene with the sandstorm and everything else. And if I remember correctly, it was a uh, Barbara. No, Susan was caught Susan up in the. What? Susan and Ping Chu going in the sandstorm. That's the one. So, like, basically, uh, they get caught up in a in a sand sandstorm, right? And then, obviously, the the entire time, like, there's like wind and whistling and all the rest of it. But then you can hear like echoes of like laughter and all the rest, and like it's quite sinister, like sort sort of sounds that are coming from the sandstorm, essentially. Again, nothing ever comes of it. Like you're thinking, oh, is there going to be like some sort of mysterious thing that's going to happen through the sandstorm or whatever? But essentially, nothing gets like. There's no rhyme or reason for the to be all those noises in amongst like a sandstorm. Like it was like it's like the only way I could describe it was like um, if it was like witches or something like that, like flying through the sandstorm and the broomsticks or something, you know, cackling away because they're doing sinister things. But then nothing ever comes of it. Like, it gets mentioned maybe once after the sandstorm and then never again. It's like, okay, that's happened, but why? Why did that even need to be a thing? Why did it have to be, like, those sort of noises coming from the sandstorm? Why can't it just be a simple sandstorm that you get caught out in and then obviously to survive and go back. I think it's called the Singing Sands. I get that, but what was the point? Uh, is this to me? It was pointless. Like, is this okay? Singing Sands, but the one that was singing, they were laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like a sinister sort of laugh, sort of thing. And I, I don't know. Um, like I don't know what what, what do you, what do you reckon? Like, do you think it was just a time filler? <laughs> <laughs> He's got seven episodes to fill. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like the, the, the first, like essentially, the only things that happen in the first two episodes is the Doctor and like basically Susan, Barbara, and Ian. They essentially get uh, captured by Marco Polo. Marco Polo's telling them, right, you're getting taken back uh, to, um, what's the name of the place? Uh, what, what was the name of it again? Um, Peking. Uh, and then I'm going to offer your TARDIS to... Peking! Peking! <laughs> <laughs> what? Peking! Uh, I'm peeking. Hello. Oh my days. We're never gonna get through this. Um but um Are you peeking at me? Um, but yeah, so essentially nothing really happens except from uh Susan and Pichu Ping Chu, should I say, gets caught in a <laughs> Pikachu. Um, but Ping uh, Ping Chu and uh, Susan get caught up in a sandstorm, and what's called they get captured. That's literally the first two episodes, and like mm-hmm. a bit of dialogue in between. Uh, the doctor's incapacitated, incapacitated at one point as well. Um, 
So he does fuck all for an episode. <laughs> <laughs> but then what I have noticed through the seven episodes is that it was always up to Ian to like do things and like you know what I mean to essentially be the hero. You know what I mean? So instead of Doctor Who, it should have been Ian Chesterton. Ian Chesterton. Well, <laughs> well basically, basically, in these early days, the Doctor wasn't meant to be like the, the hero guy. Yeah. The side character. Yeah. I get that. I, I do get that. Um, but what I have picked up on, though, right, especially with the, I think it was the last two episodes, um, in particular, but it was, it was actually a, a running theme throughout as well. You actually notice how, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, manipulative that the doctor can be, especially when he wants something. Did you pick mm. up on He was quite manipulative, like, especially when he was coming face to face with the, was it the emperor? What's his, what's his name? The, the, Mighty Kublai Khan. Yeah, that's the one. Um, and like he was obviously striking up a budding friendship with them, but also got the impression that the doctor like was being buddy buddy with them because essentially he was all like playing chess with with it. Um, this guy, uh, this uh, this ruler, essentially, just to get his TARDIS back and everything else, and like everything else just felt kind of fake. Like the friendship, like to me, like whereas the um, uh, the what's it called Kublakan's like reactions to it was like essentially like you're my friend sort of thing, <laughs> which kind of ran off like a bit of a naivety on his part. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, the doctor, whereas the doctor's like, well, no, I just want the just <laughs> you know, basically, yeah. Um, but yeah, he is quite manipulative in this one. Um, <laughs> Shit. But, um, but yeah, and actually, this is this is now uh, I'm starting to like Ian a bit more now. You know what I mean? He, uh, <laughs> finally, he's only taken a few episodes. Jesus. Um, but. Like he had to be fair, he's shown a lot more through these episodes and that, and what he was willing to do to obviously save others. Like at one point, uh, Ping Chu um, splits off them from the rest, and right now, so Marco Polo sends um, sends out Ian to go and get retrieve Ping Chu because Marco Polo's whole mission. Was to basically bring Ping Chu to uh, Kublai Khan's uh, Kublai Khan so he can marry her, even though he's like in his what sixties or seventies, and she's only like what fifteen. She was meant to marry some other guy, wasn't she? What? She was meant to marry some other guy, wasn't she? Not. Uh... The end, the other guy dies. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, I forgot about that. And he's like, oh, it doesn't matter. You can just stay here then with me. And then I can sleep with you instead. <laughs> predator. You dirty old bastard. <laughs> this reminds me of um, uh, Walder Frey from Bloody Game of Thrones. Oh, he's yeah. She's a boy, but she's only like 13 or something. 
This is my wife. <laughs> I'll kill uh, your wife. It's like, fine, I'll get another. <laughs> you dirty, dirty pink. <laughs> dirty um, boy. You dirty, dirty boy. <laughs> but yeah. You he... know how P-new. P-new. No P-new. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> basically, yeah. So Ian jets off. Well, not jets off, but like gets on a horse and rides off into like rides off to go and save Ping Chu um as well. Um which I didn't realise he could ride a horse, essentially, but apparently that's within his skill set. Um, which you know. But it just re- re- reminded me of just like um and I don't know why, but I just had remember the old westerns that we used to watch with granddad? Mm. You know, um, I just found it like a bit of a like a, a shitter version of those, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. of like of those westerns that we lo- used to love watching with granddad and that. Um, and like, I, I was attempting just going, whoa, boy, whoa, <laughs> a little bolt of the place, sort of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, so. Uh, uh, Apparently, I don't know how he manages it, but finds Ping Chu like within seconds. Suddenly, he's there and he saves saves the day. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's all right. Mean? It's like it's all right, Ping Chu. It's all right. Ian Chesterton's here right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Ian. <laughs> Let me feel you. Mm. Thank you. Um, it's okay, but, Ian's here to save you. What? <laughs> uh, right, so I'm, I'm go- just weird men vibes in this whole entire story. <laughs> I did pick up on that as well. I actually got it written down somewhere as well. I was like, what the hell is going on with the guys? This the creepy bastards, creepy horny bastards. It's a good job doc- the doctor's got all those bloody condoms in his TARDIS. Um, well, uh, you know what I mean? See but, if we can't um, get these cars, like. Yeah. Oh, well. Bear back it is then. Uh, anyway. <laughs> well, that's what Ian was doing on the horse. <laughs> whoa. Whoa. Whoa there. Whoa. Whoa there. Whoa. I haven't insured my nuts. <laughs> Damn. Wrong hole. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you could you could actually <laughs> say that in that scene, Ian was the main man. Mm. <laughs> I thought it was good, but obviously. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm not hey, in the habit. Boy. I'm not in the habit. If, if nobody else get, got that, then I'm not in the habit of uh, explaining my jokes. Anyway, um. So yeah, so he finds Ping Chu, and what's called she gets she gets scammed because she's trying to get a lift to somewhere else, so she doesn't have to marry some old guy or whatever. Um, but uh, they end up discovering that the TARDIS is getting nicked. So, uh, well, the TARDIS is gone essentially after trying to protect the TARDIS. Yeah. Which well done, Ian. Son. And watch here's another thing, and I hated the. F- this is what I hate about his character, right? Oh, I don't hate it. 
this is something that I dislike about his character, is that he always likes to state the obvious. So, oh, the TARDIS is gone. Right, no shit, sure, look. Is it? Somebody's taking the TARDIS. Yeah, no shit, sure, look. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think that's one of the downfalls of the character. And this, I think this is why I don't, like, this is why I do like, I'm starting to like Ian a bit more, but then I dislike the fact that he just states out the obvious all the time, like, stop it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like he's just narrating the entire scene. You know what I mean? Stop narrating it. We know what's happening. Just fucking deal with it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah Uh, so oh yeah so Marco Polo uh, is at one point getting basically uh, manipulated by um, what's called the uh, Tagana as well so he's been behind the scenes and he's like nitpicking at Marco Polo giving him little uh, whispers in his ears going, oh, you shouldn't trust these people and that, but he's been pretty shady, not lastly. Um, essentially, I think he just wants to... Um, well, his his intentions get, um, get found out later on, but essentially he's just been telling Marco Polo not to trust the Doctor, Susan, Barbara, Ian, and all the rest of it. So, <clears throat> uh, together... Uh, gets sent out by Marco Polo uh, to basically because uh, again has been uh, manipulating Marco Polo to think that uh, Ian's up to getting the TARDIS back or something. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um... Yeah, I was really good at it. He was like, how is he like? How is no one on to this guy? Like, I don't know. Like, Susan and Susan Pink Show follow him, and then they get stuck in the sandstorm. <laughs> right. And then in the next episode, was it later? Yeah, it's the next episode. Barbara follows him, and I'm just like, is everyone just following this guy? And then at one point, uh, like Susan and that are talking. Mm. They're talking about the spare key that the doctor's got. Mm. And like, oh, you better keep that secret. And then you pan over and then, you know, Tagana's like standing there listening like, oh, yes. It's just, it's beyond me. Like, but the thing is, in these episodes, they're just they're painting Marco Polo to be I don't know stupid essentially like like and very naive because he keeps backing up to Ghana. He's like, no, no, Tagana will never do that. Bear in mind, they keep, he keeps referring him to referring to him as the warlord. Now I'm not being funny on that, but I wouldn't like to be associated with someone that's nicknamed or associated with a warlord. Yeah. So it's just, it's beyond me why he keeps backing them up. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not being funny, but like, even if they're strangers, people are going, mm, better watch out for him. He's a bit funny, isn't he? Um, mm. Yeah, there is something about this guy. And the thing is, he doesn't exactly hide the fact that he's a creepy bastard. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, because like Tagana's meant to be like going with Marco Polo to like make peace with the the Khan. Mm. That's the whole point. So he's not like an ally of Marco Polo or the Khan. And then at one point, Marco Polo's just writing in his diary, and then Tagana pulls out his sword and was just like, ah, yeah, you know? And I'm just like, come on. Hello. Yeah, just this is tell you exactly, and this is why. Like, I'm thinking, what? Like, I'm not being funny. One, he's being shady. Two, he's just trying to kill kill you. And three, he's very, he's not even subtle about it either. It's like he's manipulating you. You know what I mean? But he still backs him up, which he's either very naive, Marco Polo, or very just. I don't know, dense. <laughs> like the thing is, like, I'm not, I'm not the brightest spark, and in, 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 like, by all means, but I know when somebody's been manipulative, and I know when somebody's been a bit shady. But anyway, um, but yeah, so Marco Polo sends him off to go and uh, retrieve Ian and Ping Cho, and what's got? Obviously, he gets there just in time, sort of thing, but. Again, he's just been a wee shitty so and so, you know what I mean? And then yeah. he brings he brings them back to the camp and they imprison like Ian, Barbara, and the doctor and Susan again. They hatch a plan to escape, but then uh, Ian Yeah, so Ian uh, escapes. And discovers one of the guards that's like protecting Marco Polo is dead. You know what I mean? And Ian goes in and wakes Marco Polo up, saying, "Right, the your guards are dead outside, sort of thing. I think somebody's going to try and kill you, whatever, or it's going to be an ambush, whatever he's said to him, whatever." And then have this whole like they get they get like thing a bit, they get pick up swords and everything else, get ready for an ambush or whatever it is. And to be fair, at this point, I'm thinking, well, maybe. This warlord guy is the one that's behind it, which turns out it's true. He is behind it. But I thought he was going to turn around, and this is the point where, he, um, where the warlord uh, would turn around and like try to attack them as well with this army that basically charges at them. But obviously that doesn't happen. He still protects his... Um, thing. What's his name? Uh, his secret identity um, as well. So obviously they fight off these these people, uh, this army that's tried to attack them. Um, but again, Marco Polo, he says that he still doesn't trust them. Even though like, Ian's just like, literally, just saved his life. But he's still saying, oh, I just don't trust you, you're a bit funny in that. But the one person that's being shady, he trusts. Yeah. But yeah. Um not shop in the box. Yeah. Um again, um to be fair, I would have loved to watch like actually properly watch this. I think this is it's a shame this episode was binned. Because I like I would have loved to have seen the actual whole thing, you know what I mean? Um, 
but um, yeah. Uh, side, oh, the side bit as well. Who the hell was that Mongolian warrior? You know the one that was behind the wall, like when, like when, what were the times where Susan like, ah, sort of thing, screaming her head off, and there was a pair of eyes, and they obviously opened the door, and it's a Mongolian. Who the hell was that? And where the hell did he go? No idea. He was just suddenly there, mm. and then he suddenly wasn't. Well, so, yeah. No. So I've still got a lot of questions about this, like episode but I again that's another thing that's went unanswered through this episode so I'm just a bit baffled and then we're coming near the end and they actually reach Pekin and and everything else and what you call it, as I said before the doctor's playing chess with the the ruler um, can, I can't pronounce his name what's his name again Kubla Khan! Kubla Khan! There you go. Uh, he's playing chess with him so he can get his TARDIS pack and everything else. Um, and as I pointed out before, he's been manipulative. He's been uh, he's manipulating this man. He, he knows that he's probably smarter than this man and everything else, but still, he's he, he gets what he wants, essentially, doesn't he? So, mm-hmm. uh, And then, uh, what's it called? Uh, Tagana finally uh, reveals himself as the assassin sort of thing and tries to assassinate uh, Kobla Khan. Mm-hmm. And then he just stabs himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, this is one of the questions I have as well. Like, and I know in uh, certain places in Japan, like in like the summer, like with samurais and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure it's Japan. I might I might be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure it's Japan anyway. It's like if a warrior's been shamed or something like that and or has lost a a, a, a battle or something like that, they take out their, their weapon and they stab themselves. Is that, is that That's right? Japan. That's more yeah. like a samurai sort of Japan. Yeah. Yeah. So it's either the writers of like of this program is very well, uh, no, very uninformed on these sort of things. If that's what they're going for, or it was just because again it was unexplained to why he just stabbed himself because he lost against Dean. There was no reason for him to like if they had turned around and said right if if I win this fight sort of thing. Um, this duel or whatever, um, then you need to kill yourself. Then it would have been a different matter, but it wasn't. It was just suddenly Ian and Tagana were like sword fighting. Yeah. You know? And then, um, yeah, through the, the sword fight, Ian went, somehow wins, which again, um, Tagana, and it's been pointed this out in a couple, like in one of the episodes at least. Where um, him and Marco Polo had a duel, and, and the narrator turns on and says, uh, after years of, uh, no, they're using years of of their training and workmanship or foot footship or whatever, or like 
using their feet and uh, foot and everything else, they're able to duel or whatever it says. But then, as far as we're aware of, Ian has no swordsmanship abilities at all. He has probably never picked up a sword in his life, um, but somehow manages to be um, a warrior, essentially, a, a man that has been training probably since you know they'd learned to walk. Um, I thought it was Marco Polo that was in the sword fight with Tagana at the end. I'll be right back. <laughs> oh. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to edit the shit out of this episode. Oh, thanks. <laughs> that can go in the blooper reel. Fucking right. <laughs> um, okay apologies so it was Marco Polo so Marco yeah okay that makes more sense I just thought it was Ian I, I just picked for some reason I pictured Ian because like there's the seven episodes at one point or another it was always Ian trying to be the heroic one wasn't it mm-hmm. just pictured Ian as, uh, doing all the sword fighting and whatnot. But, um, yeah, so Tagana kills himself, but there's no rhyme reason for him to kill himself. It's not in the custom or anything um, that we know of. As we pointed out, it's a Japanese um, custom. If, if it's a custom, I don't know. It's a Japanese thing anyway, uh, like centuries ago. Um, but Tagana just somehow just Kills himself. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, he dies. The The world is right. Uh, the Doctor gets his Tartars back. And um, Marco Polo actually sees the Tartars go off in fashion and, and things like that. And just basically... Uh, oh, and the whole thing as well uh, is... Um, Marco Polo, I should say this from the beginning to be fair, Marco Polo wanted the TARDIS to give to Koblakan because he wanted to um, be set free so he can go back to Venice um, mm. as well, so he can go back home to his, because he's essentially enslaved to Koblakan, basically. Um, and he would do anything to go back home, so he thinks by taking the TARDIS and get offering it as a gift um, he might get favour and get to go home uh, obviously he's been he fights with bloody the Doctor and Ian about it and there's been several attempts throughout each episode to try and get the TARDIS back because uh, at one point Marco Polo has all like both keys two, two sets of keys for the TARDIS um, as well Um and then it wasn't isn't until these events where uh, Tagana uh, kills himself after losing the sword fight to Marco Polo that they finally get the TARDIS back after a chess match. <laughs> Quite confusing, but you know. Yeah. But no. Um, and then yeah, they they go off 
in the magic caravan, as they called it. Um, but yeah, I don't think I've done a very good job at describing this episode. But <laughs> if there's any questions, just let us know. Um, but yeah, I think uh, is there anything you want to add to any of this uh, first episode? Um, well, as far as we're aware, it's kind of historically accurate. Um, I don't know if you knew that the China wasn't always called China; it was called Cafe back in no, I don't medieval times. Um. I don't know. We didn't study Marco Polo at school. Like no one taught us about that. So just... No. It used to be back in, I think it was like the fifties and sixties, maybe the seventies, maybe. But then I think it kind of dropped off at some point. Um, we get taught at school about Marco Polo. So. Yeah, I'd, we we didn't get taught Marco Polo either. It was like the first and second world war mostly. Uh, hmm. I more the second world war than the first world war, but. If I, actually, I remember correctly, I think it was the First World War in primary school. I think it was the second and secondary, like, like um, secondary. Um, I did both. I did P. Um, did the first and second World War in primary school. Did you? Um, yeah. Uh, primary seven, I did the second World War more in depth. Yeah. It was P five. I did World War One. I, I think a little bit. Um, but as we went to high school, that we did more World War One, mm. uh, and then post-war Germany during the nineteen twenties and the thirties, the rise of the Nazis, mm. um, and uh, appeasement, which was like uh, British trying to have peace with like Germany, like when you know yeah. Hitler was invading different countries and shit like that, yeah. Um, there was that sort of stuff. And then it was more like sort of medieval history. So it's kind of like more like uh, medieval Scottish history, English history. Yeah. You know, that sort of stuff, like Henry VIII and William Wallace and Robert the Bruce and um, that sort of stuff, really. It wasn't. Yeah. We didn't really talk about Marco Polo. And to be fair, he's not. Really, that well known to be honest. No, um, except from that game that kids play, Marco Polo. Marco Polo. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, <clears throat> I thought it was quite good that. Um, I don't know why Susan just keeps getting written as like a bloody teenage girl constantly. It's really annoying. Yeah, because I know she's like an alien. But still, she's got the personality of like a teenage girl from the sixties. Yeah. Um, who just screams at fucking everything. Yeah, it's that 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 uh, screams starting to wear thin with me, like especially when you're driving and you listen to the audiobook, you're like, Ugh! <laughs> Oh man. Thankfully though, for this season this is the only one we've got to listen to. Because they've animated the, the two missing episodes of Rain of Terror. Okay. Uh, and that's on BBC iPlayer. Right. Uh, with the original episodes, so you can watch them all in one go. Um, is, it not, is it not more 
Patrick Troutman's ones that have been uh, audio booked. Is that right? They're all audio booked. All the missing ones. They're all got the audio. But no, most, like, most of like Patrick Troutman's ones are audio books. Like not most of them, but like a lot of them are quite are audio been put into audio books. All right. Most of Patrick Troutman's ones have all been animated. Okay. I think there's only like a couple of stories left that haven't been animated from Patrick Troutman's era. Patrick Troutman's era was probably the most devastated by deleted stories. Yeah. Uh, I think there's only like The Highlanders, which introduces Jamie McCrimmon. Right. And the Space Pirates, I think. Right. There's only like two, maybe three left from Patrick Troutman's era that have not been animated yet. Yeah. Um, the next missing story we'll get to is in season two, which is the Crusade. Um, it's not completely missing. I think there's like two episodes, but um, there's two episodes that are still missing. So you'll have to listen to audio on that one. Uh, yeah. Um, anything else for Marco Polo? Uh, yeah, I don't know why they didn't figure out Tagana a lot sooner. Like. Obviously, you know, Susan and all that were on them. Uh, why Susan decided and Ping Pengu decided to go and um, follow him, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, Ping Chu. <laughs> Ping Chu. It's Ping Chu, not Pingu. <laughs> Pingu. I'm calling a Pingu. Fucking hell. Right, leave me alone. Ah. <laughs> Bingo! Oh god, like moving on. <laughs> um, uh. yeah. So Marco Polo and um Ian have a bit of a close relationship, bit of mm. a romance. Um, <laughs> right, right down there. <laughs> um, obviously Ian tells. Marco Polo, that they're from the future and stuff like that. Mm. What do you think of that? Well, to be fair, they've tried everything else, haven't they? Like, at this point, they're trying to get the TARDIS back. They've tried to reason with them. They've tried to warn them about Takana and everything else. They've literally tried every single thing that they can think of to try and, like, one, like, get the TARDIS back, and two, um, We've got to convince them that you know uh, they're telling the truth essentially. Um, and Ian, I think Ian feels that he has no other choice now just to basically try and be as honest as he possibly can, uh, by telling the entire truth. But because he thinks he's lying, but he's he seems a bit confused because obviously he's got Tagana in one ear and then in the other, he doesn't know who to believe, you know what I mean. Um, I think he's a bit conflicted and that scene actually shows that confliction quite a lot I think through that scene um, alone because he's even struggling to go like you're from your future sort of thing you know he's questioning he's thinking about it and then logically but then he thinks logical he's like well no that's that's impossible sort of thing like anybody would in any age would think actually no that's impossible we can't can't time travel it's Beyond his, his especially his comprehension, uh, comprehension. You know what I mean? He's like what, 
the 12th, 12th or 13th century, is that right? Um, 14th century, yeah. Um, so essentially, you know, he's um, he can't comprehend it really. Uh, that that could be a possibility, but um, but yeah, Ian, I was thinking Ian's defense sort of thing. He had to, he felt like he had no other choice but to try and be honest, and hopefully it would get the key, but it failed. Yeah, yeah. over itself. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like the most logical thing you could think of at that point because if he's like they said, they've spent quite a lot of time with him to try to basically do everything, aren't they? So, um, okay, you know, I think if we got told that even in this day and age that you know you can time travel, we'd be like, eh, really? Okay, yeah. um, yeah. but uh, yeah, I don't mind the story anyway. What do you think of like the constant? Moving in the constant different locations and stuff. Um, did they actually actually move locations? Yeah, because they moved through. Um, cafe. Oh, you mean? Oh, oh right. I thought you meant like production wise, like so, like. Oh, oh no, no, not production wise. Right. <laughs> in the story. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, like, I don't think they had that big a budget. Um, yeah. So I think this is the 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 furthest at this point they've travelled, isn't it? Like, you know, you've had like like in the Dal, like in the Dal, uh, well, you know, yeah. I think it's probably the furthest they've travelled because they've travelled like hundreds, maybe thousands of miles, um, to get to peak in from where they were. You know what I mean? Like they've travelled, they've had lots of different things happen to them. They've been attacked. Uh, they've been caught up in sandstorms. Um, politics of it all as well. Um, lack of water. Yeah, lack of water as well. Like at one point, Tagana, uh, Tagana goes to search for water, and then he lies to everyone. You know, um, yeah. about what was it about bandits being there? You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he just he lies because there's like uh, about bandits and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, and I just kind of yeah, um, but yeah, uh, yeah. What, what do you like? What's your thoughts on it? Like, yeah, they've they've travelled quite a long way, and I think they spent a lot more time with these characters. Um, Especially with, you know, like the first couple of stories, uh, obviously, with the cavemen, they couldn't wait to get away from them because they were trying to get murdered. Uh, Daleks, they didn't spend, I think they only spent, was it only like two, maybe three days there? Yeah, I, I, think, it, yeah, I think it was about two, three days. Uh, uh, but obviously, in this story, they spend like, it must be like at least a good. Month or so, maybe two months, max. Yeah, traveling across this massive space with these people. So I, think, you know, Susan spends a lot more time with Ping Chu and build up that relationship. Ian builds up a relationship with Marco Polo. Mm. Uh, the Doctor doesn't really like Marco Polo that much, but you know he he's like, all right, fine, whatever. Uh, but that that pair that pair suits my. my 
well, um, me as well, because like what I was saying before, essentially, like you would have thought with building that relationship, Marco Polo would have like some sort of trust for Ian. I know he points out, oh, well, you've lied about this and you've lied about that and everything else. But initially, when they first tried to warn him about Tagana, they hadn't lied to him. You know what I mean? And it's just, I don't know, it's just, Marco Polo just came across to me as a bit either naive or stupid, or maybe a combination of both. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and, like, obviously, we'll, we we don't know if he was like, like that. Like, obviously, like, it's just writing and things like that. They wrote how they think that it would go, sort of thing, if he met the doctor and all the rest of it. But I, I, it doesn't paint Marco Polo in the greatest of light either. Um, uh, yeah. Mm. But, you know, it, it taught the kids at that time who Marco Polo is, essentially. You know what I mean? And Yeah. He's kind of a guy that's kind of stuck um, being under this under the can and he can't really get away from being um, very useful to this guy so you know he wants to go home but he's got to try and find a way to get home yeah uh, I don't know it leaves it in a kind of a positive light for Marco Polo because he gets you know he eventually will go home um, yeah. so but yeah I don't mind this story at all to be honest I think it's alright so um, I don't think I've got anything else to add. No, no, it was a good, good story. I enjoyed it. So, righty. So, shall we get to our ratings then? Yeah. In this podcast, we have designed our own rating system. It's basically like a one to five star, and each is a quote from Doctor Who. So, one star would be. Mm, I don't like it. Uh, basically means you never want to watch it again, you wouldn't recommend it to any of your friends, and it was boring as hell. And the the bad definitely outweighs the good. Two stars would be... Good grief. Not good, and it's not terrible either. Uh, you could possibly skip this episode. Three stars would be... Good. It's a pile of good things and bad things. It's basically just sort of average Doctor Who. Four stars would be... Brilliant. It's very, very good. Uh, You would watch it again and you would definitely recommend it to your friends. Five stars would be... Fantastic! You would definitely watch it again and it's something... It's one of the episodes you would go to watch straight away on a rewatch. And it's definitely in your top ten. Yeah, who's going first this time? Um, Who went first last time? I can't remember. I don't know. You just go, mate. Go for it. Right. Uh, For me, it is a rating for this story. Uh, I think it's a shame that we don't actually have the actual film for this uh, seven-part story. I really wish, like I said, I really wish we could have got rid of The Age of Destruction and the next story and uh, have this one instead. Um, It'd be interesting to see your take on the next story because it's really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, got me worried now yeah I like the the pacing of the story some of it doesn't make sense uh, like we've pointed out 
Uh, but I do like the character beats between the main characters. Uh, kind of they kind of work together a bit more. Uh, Marco Polo's a bit dumb. Mm. Uh, why he doesn't see through Tagana and or at least have some suspicions of him. Yeah. Uh, he just trusts them blindly right to the end. I'm just like, okay. Um, but yeah, I don't mind it. I, I would listen to it again. I've listened yeah. to it quite a few times since I've got it last year. It's quite nice. It's quite a good story to get into. And just apart from the screaming, the screaming kind of does my nothing. Um, yeah. But I turn it down at that point. But I'm hoping they've uh, torn it down, but I don't think they will. So. Uh, no. <laughs> Okay. No. Oh, Jesus. Anyway. But yeah, that's me. I'll be going for three star rating, which is. I did. I, like, I did. Uh, initially, I liked the story. I thought it was uh, a really good story. Miles better than the last story, The Edge of Destruction, which shamelessly should have got booted, crooted, and maybe burnt a crisp, that fucking shite. I still can't believe that's, that that monstrosity survived. <laughs> don't know how. But if I had my way, it wouldn't survive no more. But anyway, <clears throat> um, but yeah, it, to be fair, I liked a lot of aspect, uh, a fair bit of aspects of this, and I liked the the fact that it was informative. Uh, kind of drew round who like what like. Like who Marco Polo is essentially, sort of thing, like, um, and taught you a bit of history, which I liked, and uh, which the show is kind of, kind of about. Obviously, it's, it's known for its monsters and time travel and all the rest of it, but obviously, if you can learn something from it, great, you know what I mean? Like, especially for the kids and that, because it's supposed to be a kid's show, you know. Um, but, um, I like I like the the character development. I like the development between Marco Polo and Ian's friendship sort of thing, you know, uh, and obviously Susan and Ping Cho, uh, Ping Cho as well. All those uh, those relationships kind of blossomed. I kind of felt sorry for Susan that, and Ping Cho that obviously had to be left behind essentially. You know what I mean? I was think like at one point when it was coming towards that sort of initial name, like. Saying goodbye, I was thinking it'd be good for like good if they had uh, she had went with them, sort of thing. You know what I mean? But then obviously it's fucking like I, I don't know how that would affect the timeline, sort of thing. But <clears throat> anyway, um, the there was things that didn't make sense, uh, like the whole uh, science, um, uh sandstorm thing and a bit else and like certain aspects of it just didn't get explained or didn't get explained very well um again like you said mark like marco polo just came across as a bit of a idiot like or like not very observant you know he i said he trusted Tagana blindly for some odd reason even though there's all these sort of bloody signals going off at him like and people are telling him don't trust them, but he still but he trusted them. And uh, look where I got him. Um so like yeah, but I just I, I just didn't like the way they like the way they've like 
uh, written Marco Polo. You know what I mean? Like the the writer might have done all this research and everything else, but it just the way that they've done it, I just don't think in my mind. Like I need to have a look at the um, obviously history of Marco Polo and everything else and what all happened and whatnot. But I said I, I don't see them being like that. Like we'll see, like like we've seen in this um, these episodes. So yeah. Cool. So, next time in the next episode, we are reviewing Dalek from Series 1 from 2005. Yes. Looking good forward to this one. This is going to be a good one. Yeah. Oh, yes. I cannot wait for one, Mike. So. Yep. That's going to be a good chat. You don't want to miss that one. Mm. Alrighty ho. Anyway, so thanks for listening, everybody. I uh, hope you've had a good time and enjoying our good chat. Uh, talking about all things Doctor Who and Classic Who. Now, don't forget to rate and follow the podcast wherever you listen. And please make sure you share the podcast with your friends. Uh, make sure that and if you think they would like to listen to this podcast too. It's always good to have new listeners to listen to our old episodes and our new episodes. Leave us a review if you can. Uh, send us in your voice messages using the link in the description uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us on our socials, we're on Facebook uh, Twitter, always known as X, and Instagram so we're under Adventures in Time and Space on Facebook we're at, at Doctor Who Podcast on Twitter, and Adventures in Time and Space 63 on Instagram where we post a lot of updates for future episodes uh, sort of birthday messages and all sorts of you know, information about Doctor Who. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email us at adventuresintimeandspace63 at gmail.com. And we're also on TikTok at Doctor Who Podcast, where you can catch lots of our snippets of our episodes. Um, if you're not quite sure if you want to listen to the full episode, but uh, please do listen to the full episodes because we get to dive deep into these episodes and we get to hear Mike's rants. <laughs> I can keep them to a minimum to be fair but you know sometimes it, it is called for um, but yeah please do um, like su- subscribe listen tell your friends tell your families um, we'd like to keep keep going with this and we just need your help essentially so um, please anyway um, so that's all we need to have for this episode. So thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. It's a trap. <laughs>